Father is the fourth of four children. He is the only boy. He grew up in Maryland, north of Baltimore, and his mother wanted him to be a priest. He did not. He studied mechanical engineering at the University of Maryland, and from there he worked as an engineer in Arlington for nine years after graduation. Recognizing that God agreed with his mother, he entered seminary in 2003. Ordained a priest in 2009. Counting all of his years of education, he spent 13 years in college. He's well-versed in many things, but he feels like he should be more impressive than he actually is. Just so you know, he wrote this. So He served as parochial vicar at St. Leo the Great from 2010 to 2012, when Bishop Laverty appointed him as his secretary, a position he still retains with Bishop Bur Burbage. Basically, this means that he drives the bishop around in a car, and he's his head altar boy most of the time, unless Bishop likes one of the other altar boys better. So please pray for him. And uh, now I'm going to introduce you to Father Wagner. Thank you. What a wonderful job reading that. Uh, let's start with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. The, um, let's start with the Hail Mary, because I want to talk about, uh, about fear today. Talk about the, um, just what, what, uh, I, I titled the talk, Do Not Fear. Uh, and the reason is because Brendan asked me when I was working on a homily about fear, and so I said, well, I could talk about that for, for a while. Um, but it's something that, uh, that comes into play in all of our lives, and, and, and it's a real enemy of our, uh, of, of our faith. Um, but Mary is the person that we look to, that we pray to, and say, you know, she, she lived a life, a fearless life. She was able to place her trust completely in God and, and, and follow His will uh, without fear. And, uh, and so we, we look to her. We look to her for guidance, but we also look to her for intercession as well. The, um, I, I, I like the fact that we, we're, we're having this on, as I said, the last day of Christmas on the uh, baptism of the Lord. It's, uh, it's a beautiful image. Um, the baptism of the Lord, which you know, a lot of times we look at it and it, and it seems so confusing, especially when we look at it from the perspective of um, you know, when, when the people would go to John the Baptist to be baptized, it says in the, in the Gospel of Mark, they would go and they would confess their sins, and then they would be baptized. And so, you know, you have this image of, of, of all these, these, these men and women coming, coming to Jesus, coming to, to John and, and, and pouring out their sins, and then being washed for being washed in the water of the Jordan, where their sins are wiped away, uh, figuratively, uh, not, not, not literally. And uh, and then those you know those sins of the water and they come up and they're made new. And uh, you know John spoke of, of, of conversion. And so the idea was we, you know, we we come out of this baptism changed, at least with a changed attitude. We're going to live a different life. Then when Jesus comes to the water, you know we can think of the water in terms of being covered in sin. You know it's it's it's, it's the sins of all the others that we that we laid on the water. And Jesus comes in and he takes it all upon himself. And instead of being uh, instead of being a cleansing aspect, it is it's a it's a recognition of his death. It's a recognition of Jesus going down into the Jordan just like he goes into the tomb. 
and when he rises up again, he is resurrected and our sins are wiped away. And so it's a reminder of that. It's a reminder of, of, of his death and his resurrection. And, and it's a beautiful sign. But, uh, but so it's something to remember here on the last day of Christmas about, you know, it, it leads us into the rest of the year, it leads us into Easter, but it also leads us into our joy. It leads us into our joy and, and, and in a sense also points to, you know, why we have no need for fear. And so that's what I wanted to talk a little bit about when I just said I talked about fear. And I wanted to start with a little story about, uh, about my life, about when I went into the seminary. As I said, I was, uh, I was an engineer. I did it for, for nine years. I worked in Crystal City on uh, 23rd Street, and, uh, and I enjoyed it. Um, but there came a point in my life when I realized that God was, was calling me into the seminary. And to be honest, God was, was very patient with me, and, and it felt like he was calling me into the seminary, not particularly calling me to be a priest. There's a part of me, and probably a big part of me, that went into the seminary with the understanding, and maybe even with the confidence that I'm going to go into the seminary, and it's not going to be for me. And then I can go and say that door's closed, and then maybe I can get married, and, and we'll see what, what God has in mind. Uh, the idea of becoming a priest was still something that I feared. The idea of speaking in front of people was something that I feared. And so that was uh, you know, such a big part of the priesthood. And so I didn't, I didn't like the idea that God would call me to that. And also I didn't think I was very holy. Uh, so there was uh, this aspect of, okay, I'm going to go into the seminary, and it's not going to work out, and then I can go. And, uh, but the Lord made everything so smooth when I made the decision to go into the seminary. The people that I worked with, not many of them were Catholic. Uh, not many of them went to church. Um, but they were very supportive. They were, you know, I remember my boss saying, if this doesn't work out, you, know, you always have a job here, uh, which was very comforting. Because again, that was kind of my plan at the back of my mind. Uh, and, uh, and, 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 and you know, most people in the office, they they, 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 were, they were surprised, but 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 saw it as a good thing. Like they weren't offended or anything like that. Uh, so that was great. And, and in my family, as I said, my mother, my mother did always want me to be a priest when I was born. Um, I was, as I said, I was the last of four, and I have three older sisters. And when my mother was pregnant with me, this was I was born in 1970. And so we didn't, we didn't really know what, this, what the sex of your child was going to be at that time. And so my, uh, my mother prayed that she could have a boy. She prayed to St. Jude, and uh, who's patron saint of lost causes. And um, so she, you know, this was, she, she really thought, you know, my mother, my father really wants a boy. And so she, she prayed to St. Jude and, and promised St. Jude that if she had a boy, she would name him Jude. So I was born, and I was a boy. And uh, the doctor asked, what is this child's name going to be? And she said, Jude. And my father said, absolutely not. <laughs> this was uh, about a year after this song, Hey Jude, came out. Which, uh, I'm very grateful for my father. Now you'll see more people named Jude. At that time, it was more rare, and I think it would have gotten a much harder time. Uh, and my mother said, you know, I promised St. Jude, and my dad said, I didn't promise St. Jude. Robert Jude. So my, my middle name is Jude. I have a great devotion to St. Jude. They said uh, when I was ready to, to, to go into the seminary, my mother really was supportive, and so was my father. You know, they, they were all they were all uh, on board, and, not, and and they still live up in Baltimore, and they were even supportive that that I was going in as a seminary to be a priest in the Diocese of Arlington. Um, they, they, yeah, I thought that might be some problem, but it wasn't. They were they were they were very happy. I've been down here since I was an adult. Uh, and so for for, for for nine years I lived here. And so for me it was like these are all everybody that I know is here. All my all my friends are here. All the adults I know. All my all the priests that I know are here. And so I was really drawn to this area, and they were supportive of that. 
So again, another thing that just made it easier to go into the seminary. The last thing was I had a roommate, and, uh, and, and both of us had to extend our lease for like just the perfect amount of time because he was getting married and, and I was going into the seminary. So we both, like, well, even the lease worked out. I was thinking, this, you know, this couldn't be easier. Uh, it, just, it just seemed so peaceful. And so I go into the seminary. It's the middle of August, and uh, my parents help me move in. And when, I, uh, when my mother is leaving, she starts crying. And so I start crying. And I'm 33 years old. I shouldn't be crying. <laughs> but, but I do. I, I, I start crying, and I cannot stop. <laughs> and, uh, and, and again, at Mount Saint, I went to Mount St. Mary's, and you know, it, I was older among the seminarians there, and, and I was embarrassed because I think people, I wasn't, when I was with other people, I was okay. <laughs> but as soon as I had any time to think by myself, if I went to my room or if I went to pray, uh, I, again, the tears would just come. And uh, and it wasn't just you know tears for the sake of tears. It was it was tears because I thought I made a huge mistake. I uh, I got in there and and as soon as I got there, I was just like, what did I do? Um, you know, I had things pretty good. Why did I why did I give all that up? And um, and so I, I remember having this thought: uh, How long do I have to stay here before it looks like I gave it a shot? Like, if I stayed a week and left the seminary, when people say, well, you know, he gave it a chance. Uh, or do I have to stay like a whole month? I don't know if I can wait a month. And, and just really considering that, uh, which is not a good sign. Um, and so, you know, I, it, was, it, was, it wasn't something I contemplated at the time, but, but, but when I look back at it now, I was like, what changed? Like, what changed in that short amount of time? And, and what changed was that I let fear enter into my life. When I, before I entered the seminary, I, I, you know, everything was coming into place. I, I had a kind of a routine and a kind of a structure. And then when you make it, and you find a lot of times when you make big decisions or big transitions, fear plays a big part because there's an unknown in it. And when you allow that fear an opportunity, the devil takes advantage of it. And when you see something good, he wants to destroy it. And so, you know, he going to the seminary and, and I'm filled with this fear, like, I shouldn't be here. This was a big mistake. And, uh, and, and so we, we need to all recognize that in our lives. We need to all recognize where fear comes in and, and how it becomes an obstacle to faith. We, we hear in the scripture, we hear in the first letter of John, that, that perfect love casts out all fear. And, uh, but we also hear, you know, I, I looked it up before I came here because there's, there was a, a, a rumor going around, or at least a, a belief that the that Jesus or that the scriptures say, "Do not fear," 365 times in one free statement. That's not true. They actually say it about about 100 times, different variations of uh, of the of the phrase, "Do not fear," "Be not afraid." Uh, it's 100 times, and so we hear it over and over and over again in the scripture that uh, you know fear is a part of our life, and we shouldn't allow it to have control over us. The um, there's a there's a couple notions about this. So when we think that okay, you know. Jesus says, do not fear. Then we think, okay, there's nothing to be afraid of. And that is not true. There's all kinds of things to be afraid of. But say that we're afraid of, uh, you know, we, 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 there's, there's things we need to, to, to avoid. There's things that can destroy. You know, Jesus talks about, you know, don't fear about the things that can destroy the, the body. There, there's, there's things that can destroy your soul. There's things that can take away your life. Uh, send you down in bed. So there, there are things to fear, and uh, and we certainly we certainly should, but we don't want to live in fear. 
we always need to recognize the power of God is greater than all of those things. But we do need to live our lives in a certain way that certainly we avoid the things that, that can hurt us, the things that can not just harm our bodies, but harm our souls as well. So there is a certain amount of, okay, there's, there's things to be afraid of. And uh, don't, don't live your life in a Pollyanna-ish way to think, okay, God said don't fear, I can walk into this dangerous situation and I'll be all right. Uh, if we can avoid it, God also gives us reason so we can walk around the dangerous situation as well. Um, the, uh, we need to recognize that, you know, as I said, when we, uh, when we place our, God, our, our trust in God, that uh, life can be peaceful. You know, we, we, can, we can not have fear, but it doesn't mean that life's going to be easy. It's still going to be difficult. There's still going to be struggles. There's, uh, you know, in, in our faith, we, we tend to, you know, especially in our, in our Catholic faith, we talk a lot about our cross and our crosses. Take up your cross and follow me, and uh, and that's whether we're Catholic or not, whether we believe in God or not. There's always going to be struggles. There's always going to be crosses in our in our faith, though, in our Catholic faith. There's a beauty in saying this struggle means something. The struggle has a purpose. The struggle sanctifies us and sanctifies others. Whereas if we don't have that faith, the struggle is just something lousy, it's something maybe to fear. The uh, when we talk about fear, when we talk about do not be afraid, uh, this is the reason I was originally talking about it. This was I was actually working on my Christmas homily, and uh, and you wouldn't think that fear would be the topic of a, of a Christmas homily, but but it was because if you look at the story of uh, of, of the Nativity, you know, I went to uh, I went with the bishop to to St. Leo's, and they, they did the pageant, the Christmas pageant, and, and the kids were there, little kids dressed up like pigs and cows and stuff and, and angels and all the angels said this when they <laughs> so there was uh, the nativity story and and there's three times in the nativity story where they say do not fear in the story of the birth of Jesus and so the first time is at the Annunciation and the angel appears to Mary and says be not afraid Mary you'll find favor with God so do not fear now what, what, what causes Mary to fear is, is likely the appearance of an angel. Uh, angels are, are incredible beings. They're, they're grander than us. And, uh, and so to, to come into contact with one likely be, would be something that would be afraid, she'd be afraid of that. But uh, she might as well just be afraid of what, what's this all about? Why would, why would the angel want to talk to me? But, uh, but the angel says, do not be afraid. You have found favor with God. And so Mary you know, responds without fear. Says you, you, you will bear a son, and the son will be the savior of the world. And Mary, I'm sure how it's going to be. As that discussion with the angel, you will be overshadowed by the Holy Spirit, and Jesus will be incarnate. And Jesus will be born in your womb. And, and Mary says, you know, "I'm the handmaid of the Lord. Be it done to me according to your word." And she says this without fear. She says this basically without fear, and really without an understanding of what's happening next. Um, and what happens next is chaos. You know, she she is pregnant, and she's betrothed to somebody. She's betrothed to Joseph, and uh, and and so they're not living together. They're betrothed, so he's building her house and putting her into that, and then they will eventually live in the house together. But uh, so at this time, you know, he finds out that she's pregnant, and the scripture tells us he wants to divorce her quietly. He's a just man, so he wants to divorce her quietly so that. You know, not make a big scene about it. She can maybe go to some other town, have this child. Both of them save embarrassment of the neighbors haunting 
And, uh, and so he makes this decision to do that. And in the process, an angel appears to him in a dream, but still appears to him. Do not be afraid, Joseph. Do not be afraid to take Mary into your home. And so he wakes up from this dream, and he does the same. He takes her into his home. Nothing has changed. He continues his life in the same way. The same situation exists, but he does it with, uh, with a fearlessness. He does it by hearing the voice of God and going on and, and acting out in faith and God, just following God's will, even though he doesn't quite understand everything, maybe not something he would choose for himself. Third time we hear the, the phrase, do not be afraid, is uh, at the birth of Christ. Christ is born, and the shepherds are outside the town. Shepherds are usually the last people to hear about things going on in the town. They're outside of there, uh, but this time they're the first time once to hear. Angels show up to scare the shepherds, most likely, and say, so the, shepherds, the, the angels say, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. I have I proclaimed you good news of great joy that will be for all people. And so, again, there's this idea that there's something that, that that they don't recognize, something that they don't see, but in this case, it's a good thing. You know, it's change, it's, it's, it's beauty, but, but it's something that they, they are called to enjoy. And like Mary and Joseph, where the chaos comes into their lives, chaos that comes into the lives of the shepherds isn't very big. They basically have to go into town. So they go into town to see the child wrapped in swaddling clothes. And, and again, they probably don't understand everything, but they are the first to recognize this is the savior of the world. They are the ones to meet the newborn king. And so there's a great beauty in that, too. I'm going to go back a little bit to my story about uh, when I was in the seminary. And as I said, I, 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 when I left off, I was, I was still crying. Still an adult man crying in the seminary. Uh, and, uh, and one of the things that they did uh, when I showed up for orientation, this was during the orientation part before we started classes, they, would, uh, they had a, a, a period of time before dinner where we would do a holy hour. And so I think there's about 50 of us. We pile into the, the chapel and they would expose the Eucharist and we would pray. Uh, or think about when we would leave, but we both be praying. <laughs> and, uh, and it was during that time when I was there in the chapel that I started, uh, I, I mean, I, I, don't, I, I don't think, I, can't, I don't think I was praying. I think I was just worrying. And there was this clear thought that came into my head. And it said, I never promised that it would be easy. I did promise it would be peaceful. And, uh, and it wasn't like I heard the voice. It wasn't like anything else. But it was that thought that came in my head. And it was just like everything went away. All the fear went away. I didn't, it didn't, the situation didn't change. I still, you know, didn't think I was worthy of being a priest. I still knew that I had a long way to go. Um, I still probably thought I was still going to leave at some point. But just this idea that, okay, there's nothing to fear here. You know, it's going to be hard. But life is hard. And this is where God wants me to be. And it was, as I said, it was, it was just a peaceful thing. And, and, and there's times in our lives just when we, we can hear that. We can, we can, we can recognize the, the voice of God or the words of God or just the Holy Spirit working in us. And and it becomes, easy. it becomes easier, it becomes more peaceful. We're filled with peace. We say, okay, I can do this. You know, I can do this not because of anything that I have, but because God has placed me here, and God can give me the strength to do this, and God has me here for a reason. There's, uh, 
they had said another time in my life when I said I was only in a parish for two years. Uh, I was at St. Lee of the Great Fairfax, and, and, it, and it was a wonderful parish. And it is a wonderful parish, if anybody should know. And um, one of the things that I, that I used to do is that we had a, we had a mass at, at 6.15. So, so if you had the mass at 6.15 as a priest, you had to get up and up at the church at 5.30. And uh, so I wasn't always loving the 6.15 mass. But there was enough break between the 6.15 mass and the 9 o'clock mass that you could do a holy hour between the two. And so I was at the, and I was in the in the church between the masses and, and I was praying and there was one other person praying in the church and it was a mother she was a mother of one of the school children she was all the way on the other side of the church uh, Saint Leo's holds I think a thousand people and so there's a, there's a gap between the two and so I'm praying and the woman gets up she starts walking towards me and it takes her like two minutes to walk over to her. It just seems like it was so long. And the whole time I'm thinking, you know, I just want to pray. <laughs> she probably wants to hear my confession, or she wants to hear a confession, or she wants to, maybe she wants to complain about something. And so she walks all the way over, and she seems like she's kind of taking her time walking over too. Uh, and she finally gets over to me, and, uh, and she said, I don't know why, but the Holy Spirit wanted me to come over to you and say, everything's going to be okay. I didn't, I didn't have a response, and uh, I don't think she wanted a response. Because uh, she, she just seemed very embarrassed as well. I mean, I, I can't imagine what it would take for me to even to say that to another priest, but much less be a, you know, a person in the pew and say, oh, okay, you need to go tell that priest that everything's going to be fine. Uh, but she did it. You know, she was strengthened by the Holy Spirit, walked over, told that to me. And at the time, I'm like, What's going on? I think everything's going pretty good. And so this idea that everything's going to be okay seemed like, I was like, I don't know where this came from. Uh, but I can tell you that from that point on, I hear it all the time. And I think of it all the time. And I go back to that all the time. This, uh, this, this word that came from God, you know, where, where, where he spoke to me through this person at the church, you know, in the middle of the morning, it said, everything's going to be okay. Um, and, and, and as I said, you, you, want, you recognize the word of God because, because it affirms, because it brings peace, but also because it remains. You know, these things I won't, I won't forget because God's word's eternal. And, uh, and so when he speaks to you, it, it, it remains. It, it rings in your heart for the rest of your life. And it always has a meaning. And so there's... Uh, you know, I have these, these two stories where it feels like God was speaking to me, uh, or well, I'd say God was speaking to me, and, uh, and but, you know, I, I'm 47, I feel like God should have been talking to me a lot more than that, um, and, and, and I encounter fear all the time, uh, but I need to recognize, and I think we all need to recognize, that, you know, it doesn't take a situation like that to, to cause us to not have fear, uh, it, it we have the scriptures, as I said over a hundred times, we hear in the scriptures, do not fear. It's something we should know. It's something as Catholics we should live our faith on with this, this understanding that I have no need to fear. Uh, the victory is, you know, I'm on the side of the victory. Um, no matter what happens in this life, I'm Christ's. And, and, and even if my, my body is destroyed, he will save me. And if my soul is destroyed, he can bring me back to life. You know, there is, there is nothing to fear. Um, we look at the story of, of Mary and Joseph, and we say there's a lot of things that are difficult. You know, they, 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 they gossip around Nazareth about Mary being pregnant. 
Joseph is called to take this child and go into Egypt. Called to bring the child back to Egypt. And that's a dangerous journey. It's not like he just got into a car or a plane. They had to go and travel over these dirt roads and, and there's, there's, there's robbers and they have to find a place to find food. And, and it's just a, it's a long, dangerous journey. And, uh, and he's taking a, you know, a woman who just had a child and a, and a child. And so there's, there's, there's things that, that, that are scary in that story, but, but he does it. He does it because he knows this is what God wants him to do. And so we can, we can live without fear because with that trust. And a lot of times we can look back at our lives. I know I can certainly look back at my lives and at my life and think of things that happened in my life where at the time I was like, this is bad, or this was not what I wanted to do, and look back and say, oh, I see exactly why that worked. I see exactly why God had that situation occur in my life. And, and, and we look at those situations and we say, you know, we want that in every case. We want that, we want that to be the case where we can see it while it's happening and say, oh, I know why this is going on. Later on, this is going to mean blah, blah, blah. And so I can withstand it. But, uh, but that's not always the case. Right? It's almost never the case. Um, but, but, but we can look at those situations where we, where we do see something that happened in our lives, a door that was closed. Yeah, I have to, I still remember the first girl, woman I ever dated, and when it ended, thinking, "Well, what, you know, what am I going to do now?" Uh, <laughs> I was like twenty, <laughs> and, uh, and but just thinking, this is a, this, I have nowhere to go now. This is this is all over. And now that I look back at that, I'm like, how ridiculous was that? First off, but then also, um, you know, I, I see how that worked. I mean, I, there's things I learned in that relationship that uh, that made me a better person, that led me towards God, that led me towards prayer. And, uh, and so, you know, I, I can look back at it and say, okay, I, I, I see the lessons I learned in it. I see the reason God brought that in my life. But then there's other things, like tragedies that happen to family members, people that leave the church in your family, friends. And you go, why that happen? What's the good that comes from that? And I don't know. You know, and we don't know. And a lot of times we won't know. And so it's not always, you know, we can't always point to the, the things that we learn and say, okay, this is, you know, this is, this is why I trust in God. This is why I don't have fear, because I see how things always work out in the end. We need to have the faith that allows us to do that. And the only way we can do that is, you know, faith, faith comes from God. You know, we can certainly say, okay, I believe whatever God says, and that's one thing. But then to live that out uh, is something that, it's a supernatural gift. You know, it's one of the theological virtues. And at baptism, but it grows, and it grows when we ask for it, and it grows when we practice it. And so we need to live our lives in a, with a with a faith that that drives away the fear, and we need to pray for that faith that drives away the fear. When a situation comes where where we are afraid and we're not sure which way to go, and we then pray, we pray for God's strength in that situation. We certainly pray for the wisdom to recognize His will, but but we pray for His strength to say, okay, God, I don't know why this is in my life or why this is in somebody else's life. But give me the wisdom to do the right thing and give me the faith to not be afraid. Um, so we can do that. You know, we, we, can, we, can, we can do that. And when, when we ask for that grace, so why would God not give us that? Why would he not give us faith? You know, something that we often hear in the scriptures of the man who prays that. I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. You know, that's a prayer that should always be close to our hearts. You know, help, help my unbelief that I, can, that I can live a life that just trusts in you. Trust in you and, and cast out that fear, that fear that tries to keep us. You know, I talk about the, uh, the different uh, things that can happen in our lives, and, and, and you know, one of the things that we do want to trust is in the providence of God. As I said, we can look back and say, I can see why this happened, why God allowed this to happen, because something good comes from it. This providence of God allows, you know, uh, 
St. Thomas Aquinas to say there's a reason for evil. The reason for evil is that God allows it to happen so that something better can happen. So we, we trust a lot in the providence of God. Like God's guiding all things to a final victory. He's guiding all things to, to you know, the second coming and, and, and the fulfillment of all, all, all time. And so we, we, we trust in that because God's in charge. And He's all-knowing and all-powerful and all-good. And so we know that everything's going to be good in the end. And that's great. But as I said, there's these times when we look around and we're like, I don't understand how this could pull me towards the good. When I was uh, when I was in the seminary, uh, I, I, I wrote a licentia, my, 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 my licentia degrees in spiritual theology. And we had a class uh, the year before uh, that I wrote my paper on, and, and, it, and it was on medieval mystics. And one of them was Julian of Norwich. And I'd never heard of her. We had one class on her, but it was such a it was such a moving class, and, and the teacher spoke so kind of he, he had a great excitement about her that that I looked more into it, and that she, I wrote, ended up writing my paper on it. And what she what, what happened to Julia Norwich was she was a uh, first off she was uh, uh, a hermitess, so she lived in like a, a room attached to a church, but on the outside she didn't live in the church. She lived on the outside of the church, and there was a window that faced into the church. And there's a window that faced outside of the church. And the hermit, or I'm sorry, she was an anchoress. She was a hermit. So when she, when an anchoress goes into the anchorage, or the, where, where she lives, there's a right for it. There used to be. I don't think we have anchorers, anchoresses anymore. Uh, the bishop puts her in there, like places ashes on her head to basically like you're dead to the world, and then locks her in, seals the door, and she doesn't leave. And so this is what Julia Norwich did, and, and her life was, was so bound to the church. Her name is Julia Norwich because she was at the Church of St. Julian, which was in Norwich. Uh, so we don't really know much about her. But during her life, she, Jesus appeared to her. She saw like 16 revelations of Jesus. And in these revelations of Jesus, she talked to him. And he talked back to her. And there was a point when she was like, you know, how can things be good? And she looked at a time when there was the plague. The plague had wiped out about a third of the people in her town. She had a, had a corrupt kind of church. There was a, a bishop who had a lot of power, who killed some people, you know, who, who was just more concerned with power than he was in, in, in bringing people to faith. So there was corruption in the church. And, and you know, there was sin all around. And so, you know, she asked Jesus, how? will all be good. How can things be good? And, and Jesus replied, all will be well. All manner of things will be well. All will be well. It's basically this idea, trust me. Trust me, things will be good. And so, and through her meditation on this, on this, this, this these visions of Christ, she, uh, she, had a, she had a quote that, uh, that I wanted to share. She says, when judgment is given, and we are all brought above, so we all get to heaven, we shall, we shall clearly see in God the mysteries which are now hidden from us. And then none of us shall be moved to say to any of, in any manner, Lord, if it had been so, it would have been well. But we shall all say with one voice, Lord, blessed may you be because it was so, it was well. And now we see truly that everything is done as it was ordained by you before anything was made. And so she just has this, this, this deep, faith that says anything that happens, good or bad, you know, a, 
a moral evil or somebody sins against us or a physical evil, like we get sick or somebody dies. It's all God's plan. And so there's, 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 a, there's, a, there's a depth to that faith where it's not just like, I trust the good things, but I trust the good things and I don't, I don't doubt the bad things when they happen. You know, it's the kind of faith that, 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 that's able to look at something that, that is evil and say, I'm not going to ask God why that happened. I'm just going to trust there's a reason for it. And, uh, and, and, and that's hard. It's hard, but, but that's the kind of faith that leads to this, this lack of fear. That's the kind of faith that allows us to look at everything that comes in our lives and say, okay, I don't understand this, but I know that in the end I will. And I know that in the end when I, when, when, when I meet God face to faith, God willing, it'll all make sense. And I'll say, oh, that's why that happened and that happened and that happened and why this all happened. Now, you know, so many people will be saved by this. That's the kind of faith we want to pray for. That's the kind of faith that's going to that's gonna rise us above the fear of the world. It's the kind of faith that will, will remove the obstacles in our lives. Question back there. Yeah. Could you just read that quote again? Sure. Okay. I, I didn't write down what verse it was from. I think it, she wrote it in her section, book in this section. But. When the judgment is given and we are all brought above, we shall then see clearly in God the mysteries which are now hidden from us. And then none of us shall be moved to say in one, any manner, Lord, if it had been so, it would have been well. But we shall all say with one voice, Lord, blessed may you be, because it is so, it is well. And now we see truly that everything is done as it was ordained by you before anything was made. So, just in conclusion, a couple of things. Prayer. Prayer's a big deal. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's something that, it, 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 it's easy to kind of push out of your life where it's kind of easy to do without thinking about it. But our prayer needs to be, you know, we need to be united with the Trinity. United with the saints. And, uh, and so we need to think about, you know, who we're saying, who we're talking to and what we're saying. And a lot of times we just need to just sit with the Lord. Just sit with the, t- you know, near, near the tabernacle. Sit in the church, recognize you're in the presence of God, and, and just sit there with Jesus. The two times when I recognized that, that God was speaking to me were uh, I was doing that. And I would say both times I was distracted. But just the fact that I made the effort to go into the church and to pray, you know, it wasn't a perfect prayer, but God can, can break into that. So I always I, I, mean, I always can think of that and say, okay, this, you know, I need to at least place myself in the position for God to speak to me. But I want to do it as best I can. I want to you know, use God's grace and, and what he gives me to say, okay, I'm going to sit in front of the Eucharist and I'm going to recognize that I'm with Jesus at that point. You know, why I'm there, who I'm talking to, what I'm saying, what he's saying to me. So prayer is, a, you know, prayer is a, a big part of our faith. So we need to, we need to recognize that. And so is the Scripture. You know, Scripture is something that God said His Word is eternal. And this is the Word of God. And so we, we, we can read Scripture. I remember when I was in the seminary being scared because I'm like, how am I going to preach on, you know, something, especially if I preach for a long time, I'm going to run out of things to say. I'm going to run out of, you know, What's in the that by 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 speaking you preaching on the gospels? You got you got three years worth of gospels. That's it. So I kept thinking, I'm going to repeat every three years. And I remember when I was a kid, there were priests that would repeat every three years. I was like, I don't want to be that guy. <laughs> but uh, but there they the, you know you just come to the realization that there's a depth to all of this that you know it, it it speaks to us 
you know, to our hearts. And I said, it, it's an eternal word. It's going to mean something to me every day. I can read, I can get something out of every piece of scripture. And so the more you know, you bring scripture to prayer, the more you realize that. And there's certain things that are going to jump out to you, and certain things that are jump out to you, different things that will jump out to you on different days if you read the same passage. So I encourage you to, especially to practice the sort of lexio divina, where where you can look over a passage, pray to the Holy Spirit, look over the passage again, and you'll see that there are things that, that draw your heart. And reflect on those. Reflect on why God's drawing you to that. Um, and then uh, and then the third thing is, is, is certainly uh, so the, the, the prayer and the scripture, and, and it's going to be the sacraments. You know, especially Eucharistic confession. Confession, as I said, it, it, not only are our sins forgiven, but it, 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 it helps to break the power that the devil has on us. The devil uses fear. You know, he really does. He uses it as a great weapon against us and against doing the will of God. It's very easy to say it's too hard to do that, or or if I do that, people will chastise me, or I won't have any friends, or something bad will happen at work. Whatever the situation, you know, we can always we can always find an excuse that's based on fear to do something good, you know, against doing something good. And so we want to we want to pray that that uh, you know that, 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 we, that we have that wisdom and we have that faith and we have that courage to live a, a Christian life. But we also want to participate in the sacrament of confession so that you know we 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 can kind of keep the devil at arm's length. Um, and then finally, as I said, on a human level, it, it is always good to look back at our lives and say, this is how God worked. Well, uh, one of the things that happened in the seminary, there was a point, like I talked about it, I kind of led to the point that, that, that you know, I, I thought I would leave at some point. When uh, when I was, uh, the year before I was going to be ordained deacon, this is kind of an embarrassing story, I had, uh, but I'll share it with you. I, uh, I went to my spiritual director, and, uh, and I thought I was so holy. <laughs> So I'm, I was telling him, I was like, you know, my time in the seminary has been, you know, transformative. Like, I'm a, I'm a much better person than I was when I entered the seminary. And if the Lord wanted me to, you know, leave next week, you know, I would do it. And I wouldn't doubt anything about it. I would be like, I, I can see why you brought me into the seminary. And my spiritual director is like, why do you think the Lord has you in the seminary for five years? He's like, you think he wants you to be a plumber? <laughs> and I kind of was like, oh. <laughs> I was kind of like, okay, I need to really start thinking about being a priest at this point, and not like, okay, when's the door going to be open? And then I can walk out. But uh, but so there was this this but so he had me, you know, to, to do to discern, to really discern. Okay, what's God's will in my life? Here I am again at this point. I'm like 38, and uh, I've been in the seminary for five years. But uh, but he said, you know, I want you to to you go through your life. And see how God's calling you to this vocation. And so, a lot of prayer, a lot of reflection. And then at the end, I was like, okay, I see, I see that. You know, I, I, I am called to be a priest. I am making that commitment. You know, resolving my life to this. You know, it's a scary decision. It's you know, like, like getting married. It, it, it's something where you're like, okay, am I ready for this? You know, I need to place my trust in God. Okay, I can't do this by myself. And it's something where you're like, you think I'm so unworthy. There's no way I can do this. But you need to eventually make the decision to do it. You can't just like, slide into it. You need to make the decision and enter into it with your whole heart. So I did that, and I went to him, and he said, "Okay, now I have one more thing for you to do." He's like, "You're, you know, right now your your prayer life is good. You know, you've been praying about this. You're you're in a good mental state." He's uh, like, "I want you to write down all the things in your life that pointed to you being a priest." So, like, when I was in the fifth grade, there was a, uh, uh, I was an altar boy, and there was a priest that I never met who came and 
uh, he came into our parish to, to, to do a wedding for some people that I really didn't know. Uh, my mother is loved, and I said, you want to be a priest? He loves talking to priests. So after my mother comes to pick me up from the church, and she talks to the priest, and, and the priest who I didn't know, uh, a visiting priest, and she says, yeah, my, son was the, my son was your altar server, which gives her an opening to talk to the priest. And uh, so she, she talks to him, and he says, your son's going to be a priest. And I'm like, she did, I, did, I wasn't there, but my mother told me. I'm like, that guy doesn't know me. <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't know me at all. But 28 years later, when, I, when I'm in the seminary considering what you know, was God calling me to do this, I can point to that and say, okay, this is one of the things. And to and find a series of things like that in my life that, 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 where I say, okay, God was leading me in this way. And, and we all have it. I said I was I was 38 when I made that list, but you can make a list like that earlier and say, okay, this I can see how God led me out of this situation or into that situation. They're 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 human things. They're part of our lives, um, but they allow us to see how God does work, how God does strengthen us, how God does lead us. You know, guides us in certain ways, allows good things and bad things. It allows us to to learn and grow from that. And uh, and while I said it's kind of a natural thing. Kind of a, a human thing. There's a supernatural element to it because it does strengthen our faith. You know, God allows us to see those points where He allows us to, you know, say, "Look, I was with you. You know, I was walking with you. I was guiding you. I, I, I knew what was going on." Uh, it's kind of like when, you know, when, when God breaks into our lives and sometimes speaks to our hearts. You know, those are things that I should know. You know, things that I should know the Word of God. I should, I should just trust it. And sometimes He has to come in and tell me. While other times He has to show me. And when we do that, it allows us to, to have a greater trust in God, and so it's a it's a way to, to help to help increase our faith in a, in a way where we said we can look back at our history and kind of kind of see where God was guiding us and, and thank Him for that. So this priest had told me, he said, you know, I want you to write all these things down. You know, write down the history of how God led you to this point and led you to this decision, because at some point you're going to be depressed. At some point, the devil's going to come after you, and I want you to be able to point to that and say no. Confront the devil and say, "No, this is not what you're telling me is a lie. This is the truth. This is the fruit of my prayer. This is where my peace lies." And we can all do that. And I encourage you to all of you to uh, to look at how God has guided you and to, and to, and to hold close to that and keep a record of it if you can, so that when you are tempted to doubt, when you're tempted to fear, you can say, "No, I know where God is. I know where God has led me. I know that He's with me." So I actually you know, use another key to, to having no fear. Um, I'm going to end there. I'm more than thought. Does anybody have any questions? Good. Uh, free time. Oh, okay. Sorry. Um, so when you're anxious or fearful, what's your ready? I'm anxious. I mean, I wish I could tell you that I was never anxious or fearful, but I know a lot. Uh, which is, I said, one of the reasons probably why I was thinking about fear for uh, a Christmas holiday. Um, it's it's something that uh, when when I'm anxious and fearful, I think it, it's always good to see. For me, I pray that 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 I could just uh, recognize how it's leading me away from God. Yeah, I, I certainly pray that it goes away. I pray that I have peace, that I can have the faith to trust that. But but it's it's good for me to see. Okay, what is this fear keeping me from? You know, what is, and usually it's just, I could just say, in, in most cases, it's keeping me from peace. 
is keeping me from being at peace with what I'm doing. You know, I, when I work with the bishop, it's a very different job than most priests. It's a lot of administrative work. It's a lot of things that, and 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 I can see it. it, it you know, when I, at times when I'm when, when I'm doubting or even when I'm, when I'm afraid, I'll be like, why am I doing this? I'm a priest. Why am I why am I doing this? But uh, and, and again, that's a tool of the devil. You know, he's making me he doubt that. He's think I'm going to be doing this forever, or whatever the situation is, but to be able to look at it and say, okay, I'm doing this because if I do my job well, then the bishop can do like twice as much as if we do otherwise, and, uh, and, and realize that we do, it's, 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 about, it's about that, but when I have that fear, or when I have that anxiety, it's, it's the devil trying to distract me from that, trying to distract me from doing, doing good work, and so I said, so there's, 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 I, I always want to... I always, it helps for me to recognize, you know, how is the devil using this? How is this being used to, to distract me from God's will? Um, and, and when we can do that, and when we can pray for that, I mean, it's not, we're not always going to see it, but just to be able to pray for that and, and, and then to have that peace to say, okay, you know, I, even if I don't see it, it's, it's, it's not something that, that I, you know, that, that, that needs to, to keep you from doing God's will. As I said, there's going to be times when the situation's not going to change. Like i missing a deadline or something like that. You know, it's going, to, it's going to remain the same. And there's a certain disappointment that comes with that. And there's, there's a human aspect to it. But to be able to trust and say, okay, I'm, I'm doing God's will the best I can, uh, then uh, that, that, that's going to be part of it. Uh, and we always need to recognize that. And no matter how much we pray, there's always going to be crosses. Yeah, and there's always going to be suffering. Um, but... but to have the trust in God's providence to say, if there's a reason for all of this, then uh, you know, that, that, that helps us with our freedom too. Yes? So, you have a, a couple of quotes that kind of said, like from St. Thomas Aquinas, and I forget the lady, you read it twice, so. Um, mm -hmm. uh, they kind of said, evil will be okay. Evil is kind of okay because God will do something greater. Right? Um, but just kind of, especially considering it alone, kind of seems like, oh, well this should mean it's okay for me to to like do any sin, right? So I can steal the candy or whatever, like give in to my temptation. So how can we connect this to because I know that's not really the situation. How can we connect yeah. to Savior? No, I, well, we always want to trust first of all that we, we do God's will. I mean that's 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 our clearest and most certain path to heaven. And if it were uh, if we if we could do that then, then if Adam and Eve could do that then that's the way God planned for our existence to be for us not to sin and to live in the, in the presence of God. But uh, but we do. And so uh, you know, the, the question of, of you know, why does God allow evil is something that philosophers and, and theologians have argued with you know, from the beginning. Uh, if there's a good God, then why does he allow these things to happen? And St. Thomas, uh, you know, his argument was, well, is God allows good because, you know, we, because he can bring something greater out of it. And... Uh, this does not, you know, it's not a, it's certainly not a license to say, okay, then, then we can just do whatever we want, and God will take care of everything. Because God has a has you know, a will for all of us, and He has a mission for all of us, and, uh, and a certain vocation for all of us. And that's that's our path to heaven. And to, to just kind of dismiss it and say, well, I don't want to do what God wants, you know, let Him figure it out. That's not that's not our way to, you know, we're not we're not advancing. In fact, we're we're endangering our souls at that point. Uh, and. If our free will, if our free will, we do something that's evil, uh, you know, we certainly can go back. We can go to confession. We can be forgiven. But there are results of that as well that, that remain, and uh, and scar, and, and 
damage our lives and the lives of others. Uh, and certainly we trust that yet yeah, God can allow that to happen, but we need to realize that, that it's still an evil, and it's not something that God really wants to happen. He can allow it to happen, there's something great that can come out of it. But uh, they said if it were if it were up to if it were if we if none of us would sin, that's the way that God would want you know, it's the way that He wanted it to be uh, when He created Adam and Eve. But uh, but through that through through our sins, He still works. We never want to lose faith in that. But but you said it's not something that, I I can see your, your your what your argument is. But if we understand it from a greater scope of you know we're created in God's image to, to be like God's then. Then it, just seemed, then it becomes illogical. Like, well, why would I do that? Why would I just place my trust in God in that way? Because it's not, it's not, that's not a thing that's done out of love of God, it's something that's done out of self love. I mean, I'll just do what I want, and God will sort it down. Is that okay? Yeah. I mean, you can see how it, it, it's not a way to live life. It's not, a, it's not a, nobody would describe that as a Christian life. And Jesus would never say anything about that either. What 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 Aquinas is talking about is that you know we want to understand that even amidst all the sin and even amidst all the suffering, that God can work through that. And and, and we want to trust that. Because we're gonna sin. You know, other than Jesus and Mary, you know, everybody has. So we want to have that trust that God still works through that, and we can have that trust that God still works through that. But we don't want to say, "Okay, we can just sin God. We'll let God sort it out." That, that's, uh, that's, not the, that's not the Christian life. That's not what we're called to do. All right. Any other questions? Yes. I read something uh, that C. Therese wrote that was really helpful for me personally, with like here and things like that, where she talks about. Uh, when fear sets in, if we give into it, it's, it's sort of offends God. It's not not like sinfully, maybe sort of like a hidden fault or something, but it offends Him because it, it's the devil's attempt to uproot our belief in His complete sovereignty over everything. And uh, to do, and she says, I think like to do it more of uh, an attack or temptation, um, like you were saying, more to. If fear sets in, you almost want to look at not the fear or even what you're fearing, but why is it happening or the circumstances. What are your thoughts on that? Okay, so he had said he was describing uh, Saint Therese of Lisieux, um, saying that you know when she that God looks at fear as, as or he finds offense when we are afraid, offense that uh, you know it, it, it takes away from our trust in him. It shows that we don't trust in his sovereignty, um, and uh, and. They said it's not something we want to. We never want to live our lives in fear of God. You know, the idea of the fear of the Lord isn't is it based in that we we live on walking on eggshells because we're afraid God's going to be angry with us. We need to always trust in God's law. But uh, but there is this 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 understanding that you know, we we need to recognize that when when we when we do fear, it is something that is not from God. You know, it's not from. Uh, it doesn't come out of our faith. It doesn't come out of our our trust. It it, it comes out of. Uh, a fear of something being out of our control usually is what I would say. You know, we, we don't know what's going to happen and we think it's going to hurt us. And, uh, and sometimes things do hurt us and God still wants them to happen. So, uh, um, you know, to, to have that trust that St. Therese had, she, I mean, she did have a trust that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just a plaything of God. You know, he can do with me what he wants, he can not do with me what he wants. Uh, I'm, I'm here for to do his will. 
Uh, when we have that, that simple faith, we can say, okay, then I have nothing to be afraid of. Um, uh, anything that God puts into my life is His will, His design, and, and therefore I, 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 can, I can trust it. Um, you know, she suffered. She suffered from. Uh, she had. She had tuberculosis. Yeah. So I mean, she had. She she had pain. She had suffered. She, she couldn't breathe. But and, and I'm sure there were times when she struggled with that. You know, she wasn't sinless either. She probably did have fear. She probably did have doubt. But in, in her simplicity, and at her best point, she could say, "Yeah, God finds this offensive because it's us not placing our trust in Him. It's us placing our trust in ourselves." So sometimes you hear and see uh, some Christians who like to use uh, fear as a tactic in order to try and bring people to God. What is what would you say hey, it would be like the proper response to something like that? Well, I mean Jesus did too. Right. <laughs> so you know Jesus used it. They talked about the strong language. Of, this is what happens when you sin. The road to hell is uh, is wide. You know he, he uses things that he said that that. That we would look at the thing and say, well, that's, that's scary. He's trying to scare us into doing the right thing." Um, but you know, Christ did. Christ had perfect knowledge of, of us as well. So when he says these things, you know, he knows what the effect's going to be. We don't always do that, and Christians don't always do that. And a lot of times, they use fear as a as a weapon to you know make you to make people do things, uh, not to do them freely, but to just do them. Jesus uses it more out of truth, like, listen, this is this is the reality of sin. This is the reality of, of turning from God. Uh, instead of saying, you know, I think a lot of times it can come across, especially in us today, as uh, as being judgmental or as, as trying to force people to do things when we when we talk about the realities of sin and hell and, and you know, turning from God. So there's a there's a certainly you know we, we want to be you want to be careful with it. You don't want to. You don't want to be somebody who just only talks about the, the sufferings and the, and the punishments that, that come from being sinful. We want to talk about, like, we want to really focus on the love of God. I think that's, uh, that's something that, especially when I was talking about Julian Norwich, when, in, in her time, that kind of was the big thing, was because there was so much suffering in the world, a lot of theology was based on their suffering in the world because we're all sinners. And, uh, and you know, a lot of this is, uh, you know, it, it, it's, this is why we're suffering. We need to all be more faithful. And, uh, and that's something that you could say in every age. But to have Julian and Norwich come out of this and have this, this, this theology that comes and says, even though they're suffering, I still love them. And there's a reason for this. Uh, you know, I'll make it all well. You know, it was, it was such a strange thing. It was a strange thing, and, and, and her writings weren't really that popular at the time. She was, a, she was an anchor. She lived uh, a life of solitude. But, but when they were discovered later on, kind of took off and a lot of people just like we're drawn to that because it is against this idea of, of, of fear and sin and, and punishment it takes all that into God's love and says everything's still going to be fine uh, so there's a peace that comes from that yeah, thank you for the talk by the way I uh, I was thought it was kind of an interesting subject because I thought it was kind of like especially insidious tactic by the devil because, you know, we normally, like in a purely biological sense, we associate <coughs> with self-preservation, which mm -hmm. isn't a bad thing, and yes. all of a sudden it's being used to, you know, prevent us from potentially doing God's will. And my, my question to you is, you know, given this, like, obvious intent to confuse us, you know, is, 
know, how, how does one, you mentioned peace a lot, like you, you had peace, mm -hmm. though it was so hard. I mean, is that, is that generally what, you, what you're looking for when, when you feel like you're, you're doing the right thing and, and correctly identify this fear as from the devil as opposed to something that... Or like a natural fear. <laughs> right, right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I would say that, that it is a good distinction to make. There are things that, there's reasons to be afraid. We don't drive 120 miles an hour in the rain. Uh, you know, there's, there's, you could die. You know, other people could die. And so that's something we shouldn't do. That. Uh, so there's reasons that, that of, of things to naturally be afraid of, and, and to use our reason and our logic to to avoid them. Um, you know, even if somebody comes at you with a knife, you run. <laughs> it would be, it would be, it would be silly to say this is God's will. Um, but. You, but certainly, you know, to recognize that, okay, in, 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 a, in as far as doing God's will, as far as you know, in their lives, a lot of times it'll come up in, in, in anxiety more, than, more often than anything, where there's a fear of you know that okay, this I'm not, I'm supposed to do this thing, but it's so hard. I'm supposed to do this thing, but you know I'll be made fun. I'm supposed to do this thing, but you know it'd be easier to do this. And, uh, and and to recognize that and say, okay, you know I'm not I'm not at peace with that. Or I'm not at peace with the position where I am in my life. I'm not at peace with what's going on here. I'm not at peace with you know, just to see these anything where, where, where we're troubled. Uh, we want to be able to say, okay, this is this is where uh, you know, this is where the fear is coming in. There's, a, there's, there's two interesting passages. There's a passage in, that we read for uh, for the feast day Saint Thomas More. Um, because because the story of Saint Thomas More is you know he was he came turned against him. Uh, and, and so the, the, the scripture passage we read is when Jesus says, I didn't come to bring peace, I came to bring the sword. And, uh, and it's such an unusual image because we want to say, you know, he's the prince of peace. You know, he's, he, the whole reason he came, the whole world was at peace when he was born. And we say, you know, peace be with you, and peace I give you. And so this idea that Jesus says, I didn't come to bring peace but the sword, we need to recognize that, okay, no, he, he does come to bring peace, but we need to recognize that his peace, as he says in other places, my peace isn't the world's peace. My peace exists amid the sword, amid the battle, amid everything else. I want to be able to say, I'm at peace because I know God's will is being done. And, uh, and so just to be able to, I would say that is, that's the opposite of it. This, this idea that I can, I can be at peace knowing that, that God's will is being done, that I can do it and that I can suffer you know, through it. Uh, or I could you know, have things taken away from me because of it. But God's will is done. And it may in the end not pay off in this life, but it'll pay off in the next. And to have peace with that. Anybody else? All right. Thank you all very much. <laughs>